welcome to NJSBA Sidebar. I'm Kate Cuscarelli, your host. I really appreciate you tuning in. So let me launch in. Today's podcast features Brian Quigley. He is a terrific person to talk to. He's general counsel and deputy executive director for the New Jersey Assembly Majority. So we have a really awesome conversation about the lawmaking process, Um, the lame duck session that just ended and what's on the horizon in the next session. Um, He also talks about the value that groups like the NJSBA can provide to the lawmaking process. Um, We get into a conversation about civics, the importance of civics, teaching it to kids, um, the benchmarks program, the State Bar Foundation mock trial competition for high school students. I think you're going to enjoy this. So let's go. Thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do and how you got here? Sure. So um, I am the Deputy Executive Director and General Counsel to the Assembly Majority Office. And it is a partisan office for the uh, state legislature, which I could talk a little bit more about as we go. Um, But I guess um, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got here. Um, Yeah, did you always want to be here? I mean, was this something you thought about doing? No, not really. So, um, you know, I'll say that I have public service in my bones. My father uh, was a state trooper and my grandmother was uh, in the state legislature for actually 18 years. Um, But growing up, like, I guess many kids, I didn't really know what it meant to be an assemblywoman or a senator. Um, And then, interestingly enough, on a fifth grade field trip, um, it was with Mr. Miller's class, he he brought my class to the state house and made such a fuss, but like in a good way, about my grandmother's desk in the chambers that at that moment I thought, hmm, maybe there's something cool here, maybe I should look into this. Um, So eventually uh, I did some internships in the legislature out of college. Uh, eventually began working as an outreach coordinator in the same office that I'm now in. Um, And that's like helping members deal with constituent issues, um, really helping them navigate government, um, you know, to to help solve some problems. Um, And quite honestly, I really think this helped me develop people skills and practice patience and uh, empathizing with, you know, folks trying to interact with government. But when doing this, I got to work side by side a lot of talented lawyers and decided maybe, you know, I should go to law school, which I did. So then in law school, I always looked for ways to synthesize my legislative experience with my studies. Um, You know, like, for instance, I worked on the Voters' Rights Project, which helped um, improve voting conditions in the city of Camden. I... Um, did you go to Rutgers Camden? I did go to Rutgers yeah, Camden, cool. yeah. I actually followed my wife there. I'm a Seton Hall undergrad, uh, so a little in-state rival, rivalry, <laughs> but I, uh, I switched to follow her. Um, Smart move. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> um, so uh, I joined the um, uh, Journal of Law and Public Policy. I did uh, a fellowship with the uh, Rutgers uh, Eagleton Institute of Politics. Um, and um, really kind of synthesized my legal studies with policy and politics. Um, But when I graduated, I actually did the traditional path, uh, and I went and I worked for a great, great judge, um, and then went to firm life, um, where I practiced civil general um, uh, defense work. Um, And honestly, I love the people and I love the work, um, but I wasn't super into the subject matter. 
and if I'm being truly honest, I missed the politics a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I got the opportunity to rejoin the legislature in a legal capacity as uh, deputy general counsel, that would have been in 2014, um, you know, I jumped, I jumped at it. So what's it like working here? What is, um, you know, what, uh, how big of a staff do you have? How many lawyers are here? Sure. So, um, well, working here every day is different, um, but it, it's, it's... That's a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> a blessing and a curse at the same time. For sure. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's really cool being able to say that I work in an institution that's more than 200 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, its authority has been defined by three separate constitutions. Um, you know, after the uh, 66 constitutional convention uh we went from 21 to 40 districts for the senate and 60 to 80 members for the assembly so there's just lots of people of all geographic areas of the state walks of life that i get to work with on a daily basis um oftentimes as you can imagine you know things can get pretty contentious working with so many elected officials and staff um, but because yeah, you're constantly, you must constantly be trying to balance the needs of, of various members and the issues that they want to pursue. Definitely, for sure. And but at the end of the day, I do think that each one does have their best interest of their constituents in mind. Um, you know, and the truth is, we do have to find a way to work together to create impactful public policy. Um, you know, and there's always new issues coming down the pike, whether it's um, vaping or the use of facial recognition by law enforcement. It's um, pretty challenging and rewarding at the same time. Yeah, and how many, how similar is it or not, I guess, to law firm life? Do you have, um, do you have lawyers working with you? I mean, you're not writing briefs. Right, so I, I work with a, uh, a very small legal team. Um, there's about four of us total. Um, and um, we uh, help our members craft and review legislation for legal issues. You know, we work through ethical issues with them as well, manage outside counsel uh, when necessary on certain matters. Uh, we're responsible for handling OPA requests and we provide counsel on constitutional uh, and legislative process issues. So we're not, um, you know, we're not really writing legal briefs um, or, you know, we're not in court. If we are, it's a bad day. Um, but, uh, you know, we do get to maintain, you know, that sort of legal analysis in, in reviewing legislation and then, you know, working through the legislative process as well. Yeah, and so working through the legislative process, you know, so there's the partisan offices down here in, in Trenton in the State House. So, so tell me a little bit about how that works and how you work together to, um, you know, as much as possible. Sure. So the partisan office that I work for is the um, Assembly Majority Office, and we serve the Speaker and the 52 members of the General Assembly. Um, Who are currently Democrats. The, the majority, right, correct, yeah. yep. And the Assembly minority and the Senate majority and minority caucuses also have similar offices. Um, so, um, it, and quite honestly, it was really the development and expansion of these partisan offices, along with probably one other institutional change that I think elevated the legislature to a co-equal branch of government with the executive. Um, you know, these offices help, again, in devising policy perspectives, um, as we just uh, discuss, provide legal review on proposed legislation. We work with the media, coordinate the legislative process with members, um, again, provide constituent relations work, and, you know, it's really just become a lot more contemporary in terms of an office. Yeah, and so how did, um, and, and so so in, in addition to all of the things you do, you also work directly with committees, right? 
Right. So the, the, uh, that's actually probably the other institutional change that I think that put us on par oh, with, the, with the executive. So the, the committee, the expansion of the committee, um, really in the 70s, um, allowed the legislature to solicit more expert testimony and um, really develop expertise in particular areas that translate into leadership for the full body. What was the change that happened in the 70s? Was it just something that, you know, I mean, was there an actual change? Uh, really, just the the committee started meeting more. Got it. So there there have always been committees, um, but you know they they started meeting more regularly and you know having more of a form to their mm-hmm. hearings. Um, you know they again they solicited expert testimony. Um, today we have I think there's 29 or 30 standing reference committees. Um, I've been fortunate enough. I've, I've been able to staff the Health and Senior Services Committee, the Environment and Solid Waste Committee, State and Local Government Committee. Um, the speaker just created a, a new committee last session called Science, Innovation, and Technology, which is really cool. Um, that's actually chaired by a plasma physicist, uh, and I staffed that for the first, uh, uh, first few months of its inception. Do you get to pick, or do you get assigned? We get assigned for the gotcha. most part. Um, so uh, I, I, most recently, I staffed the Judiciary Committee, which has kind of been um, uh, a tradition for the general counsel to do, um, and that was... Um, that was a very heavy two years, but fun at the same time. And then the Senate has approximately, I think, 20 committees, I believe, less members, less committees. Right. And so, oh, so we just, uh, you, you just alluded to a two-year two swing. So we just got through that, right? So we're in sort of a transition period um, happening. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about that transition, going from the end of one cycle to the start of another. Um, what what is it like to live through that? They call it the lame duck session, right? Right. So um, you know the the legislative calendar is pretty grueling. Um, you know, in New Jersey, we're we're a part time legislature, but not really. Um, in that, you know, it's part time in the sense that members have uh, and, and often do hold other occupations other than assemblyman or woman uh, or senator. Um, but uh, the the schedule is pretty rigorous. So in January, members are sworn in. So we just had that. Um, and we begin developing legislation and doing the committee work uh, process. Um, by April, they're considering the budget, um, which already needs to be passed by June. Um, and then remember, in the following year, the, the members need to campaign again uh, for their seats. Um, then lame duck would be, that kicks in really, it's the period of time between the legislative session just after election day uh, in November to the end of the session in, in mid-January. Um, and lame duck gets sort of a negative connotation in, this, in that some see it as a time where electeds try to uh, do bills that if they were running again, um, they, they simply would not do. Right, um, right, right. But truthfully, I, I, my personal experience is that it's more about members who have worked on legislation for two whole years, meeting with advocates, meeting with constituents, doing research, um, drafting and redrafting bills. Um, and trying to get that over the finish line before the session ends, and quite honestly, they would have to start all over. Right. Um, I mean, you can even imagine the speaker has to decide what's on that last board list. He has 80 members all calling, asking for everybody wants something. Just one more bill, yeah, and that's right, obviously right. not a, a thing. I think we just did. <laughs> it was 165-ish, give or take, bills at the last session. Um, wow. Yeah. How does that compare to like an earlier session? You know, one with a little less pressure. So it it varies depending on the speaker um, and and in the caucus. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've had ones as short as fifty bills. Yeah. You know, but generally, I think we've, we're somewhere around 
70 to 80 bills, I think, on average. So 185 would still be a lot more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, as you, as, as you, uh, as your, the elected officials are evaluating, there, you, you talked about expert testimony. So, so there are a lot of people trying to influence the decision-making process. And you get a lot, I imagine, a lot of information from advocacy groups and including the State Bar Association, right? We have um, a whole governmental affairs a piece of it. We send members down to um, testify and talk about uh, things. So, so how much does it help or does it hurt? Or like, what role do those advocacy groups play in helping you figure out the path ahead? So um, I'd say major role. So, um, you know, really, I'd say most bills come into existence, I think, by someone else other than a member, you know, sharing a story or a problem that they have. So, you know, members hear these stories or staff for members, they hear these stories and they get ideas. Um, you know, people interact with the representatives in the community or they come to the state house, um, you know, at a committee or, or, or in the hallway and they talk to members. Um, and that's really how a bill is born, right? Then advocacy groups join in with their expertise, um, you know, in the subject matter and can really you know, weigh in and help guide legislation, um, you know, and uh, quite honestly, that's most of the, the, the work in crafting policy is that, you know, um, someone requests a meeting um, or they come to a public hearing and they provide, you know, statistics or stories and, um, you know, ask for amendments um, and sort of negotiating and working back and forth of those things. Um, oftentimes, if not always, we hear many sides to, to one issue, right, which I, I think is a good thing. Um, and then the hard part is just figuring out where the policy has to lie. Um, but, you know, the truth is that members can't be experts on every single issue. So we rely on advocates, you know, advancing their causes um, uh, and really helping uh, members and staff understand their views. Um, you know, the Bar Association always does, I think, um, a little plug. I always think they do a great job in getting lawyers before the legislative committees to talk of things, you know, talk about things like um, parental right laws or statutes of limitations or you know, name it, fill in the blank. Um, but the bar definitely does a good job at that. Oh, that's great to hear. So now, lawyers, I think, are you know, they're often in courthouses. They're dealing with um, transactional things. Why is it useful? Or why do we need to stop and reflect on the lawmaking process? Like, what what do you and what do you what do you wish people knew about that? What is it, why is it important for lawyers to sort of think about that as they're coming to um, to issues? Yeah. So um, you know, I think um, it's not really at least my experience is the lawmaking process isn't so much revisited in law school. So you know, you have I don't even know when you watch it what grade anymore but you have sort of that schoolhouse rock version of how a bill becomes a law right and then you do things in law school like um statutory interpretation or you do you know obviously you do con law and things things of that nature but you don't kind of revisit it um from a lawyer's perspective in in, in law school so you know i think um what's really important is that you know everybody and maybe not just lawyers just kind of bear in mind that um, the lawmaking process takes time. Like, it's not easy. Um, you know, lots of people come in with lots of different and many times divergent ideas, um, you know, and there's only so much time to accomplish things, right? We just talked about the legislative uh, session only being two years. 
Um, and these things that people are asking for, you know, um, are good things, but they're usually hard things to do, right? So, um, you know, I always, JFK is like one of my favorite quotes. We do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. And then, you know, I would say that Speaker Coughlin said that the decisions um, are much easier when you're, uh, when you're not the one who's making them, and no matter what you do, you have to be criticized. So, you know, I think a lot of times lawyers who have um, particular skills in legal analysis, obviously, and looking at statutes, will look and say, well, how did this happen? But, you know, just kind of understanding the grind of the legislative process, uh, I think, would benefit lawyers kind of um, seeing how we, how we got to where we are. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're at a moment in time where the issue of civics and understanding the civic process um, is really important. I, I 100% agree. That's what, I love the, um, the benchmark civics uh, project that was in place by the Bar Association. It's something that I try to do. Um, in fact, I recruit members to, to help out with. I think you know, hearing from me is one thing, but I think students would really, or, or just people in the community, it doesn't even have to be students, you know, really would benefit from hearing from members more um, about this process and what it takes. Um, and you know, reminding them that there is access to it. You know, come to the state house; it's a public building. Go to your district offices. Um, you know, shoot an email, um, and you can really impact the legislative process. Um, it's you know, empowering. Yeah, I love doing like with uh, when I meet with students. I I run through like uh, uh, a list of like true or false. Is this a law or is this not a law? And then you know the trick at the end, and it's things like you know it's actually illegal to pump your own gas in New Jersey. And then at the end. The, the the trick is that they're all actually laws. There was no false. Just 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 to show you know how these things get on the books. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's interesting. My, I have one of my kids. Their whole they're spending their whole year um, on civics, and it's so interesting to me what they do and don't know. Um, you know, but she's getting into the electoral college, which I find um, good yeah. entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And you've also done work. I know you talked with about students. I think you you've also done mock trial work, right? I mean. How has that how has that been a part of of what you do? So um, yeah, that was fun. That's um, you know this year I volunteered to coach um, a team. It's this with the State Bar Foundation, um, and it was it was really rewarding. Um, I'd re- if you have the time, I'd recommend it um, if you could do it. Um, the students are so dedicated, um, and it's awesome um, for me personally. I because I'm not in court and I'm not doing trial practice anymore, um, it gave me the opportunity to kind of revisit things that I missed, right? Um, but the students took it so seriously and they made me look like, for a first year coach, they made me look like I knew what I was doing. Um, we actually ended up winning the county championship. Um, oh, so I'm, I'm so I'm very proud of them for that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's a cool project. So now what, if anything, has surprised you about this job or about life in Trenton? Um, so I tell people that nothing surprises me anymore after a decade, but that's not true. Um, it, you know what? It's, um, it's always surprising to see, you know, we have 120 members um, that make the law for 8.9 million, you know, residents of the state. Um, and I know that I'm you know, working on these things and doing the research and drafting the bill and going to the committee hearing and, you know, helping get it on a board list. And, you know, I watch it get voted on and pass. Um, you know, I watch the governor sign the, the bill. But when you see it, the law, you know, come into everyday life, 
I still think I'm surprised. Um, There's been some big changes lately. I mean, you guys have, have seen a couple of big, big ones come through, right? Oh, for sure. So the, um, the most recent um, 2018th legislature had um, uh, a historic Which is the one year. that just closed. The one that just closed, yeah. right. Yeah, so, the, I mean, they did, we, we did things on pay equity, um, you know, increasing the minimum wage, um, passing earned sick leave and expanded family leave, um, you know, uh, tackled maternal health issues and infant mortality, um, you know, revisited medical cannabis, um, you know, did some stuff on gun safety issues. There was a driver's license expansion. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, you know, it was, I think a lot of it comes from the part of maybe pent up demand for a lot of these things. They've been kind of sitting uh, in the hopper. But, you know, when you have um, both houses and the governor being of the same party now, these things can kind of be brought to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. That must be uh, satisfying to partake in. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything I didn't talk about that you wanted to mention? I'd just like to thank you and, and the Bar Association for always being, um, you know, able to provide expert testimony on areas. I mean, as I mentioned, we, um, the, the lawyers that I work with and the members, we can't be experts on everything. And, you know, the Bar Association just has so many tremendous um, lawyers um, doing all sorts of different practices. So, um, you know, you guys always answer when we call. And so I'd like to thank you guys for that. Oh, you're welcome. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep answering, I promise. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, as always, follow us on all of our social media channels. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can always send an idea or a suggestion for the podcast to askthenjsba at njsba.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye.